you guys watch it together? Uh, no, we did not. No, oh. I watched it. I watched it on um Brevi, which was a major Pitchfork sponsor. Yeah, and they're actually sponsoring this episode, which is why we're watching this movie. And they gave Brandon a fire stick and me a bandana. <laughs> Uh, I, I actually I hung out with uh, uh, Jess this weekend, and she was like, "Oh man, that fire stick that you won, and then immediately gave me changed my life." So you're welcome, Jess, if you're listening to this. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, because we we won like Pitchfork had some like a uh, one of those like roulette prices right type wheels. Like the big spin the wheel like. Yeah, oh, I think I've heard this. Story. I think yeah, I think I told you about it, and like how like um, I think I think you went first, Brandon, and you just I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was the first person who spun it that day, even yes, because they were immediately like, can we get a picture with you and just send it on social media? <laughs> uh, and then I think and then me and Jess both went up, and I think Jess won like a sticker maybe or something, and I won like a just a bandana, which was just a That's generic, extremely lame. I know it was, it was. I was so close to being entered into the pitchfork tickets for next year. Uh, but I did. I missed it off by one, which clearly it's like rigged somehow, you know. Yeah, yeah, it, it's got to be. It's probably like one person a day wins like one of the actual prizes, and then everything else is just sort of it's like weighted or something where you can't get it. Yeah. Why, when you say fire stick, do I picture like a stick that puts out fire and not like a technological device? Like I couldn't, my brain couldn't put it together. As you guys are talking about now, I actually never even put together that fire stick was already technically like a term before yeah that's two words yeah, yeah. Like, I, mean, I never really thought of that as like not being an amazon product because i'm so into amazon you know wow <laughs> real real amazon head yeah <laughs> amazon head <laughs> he's a sheeple where's david David's of this world merely occupy space. Welcome to We're Not Here to Watch Friends, the podcast about the friends from Friends, but not about the show Friends, by two friends, Daniel and Brandon. I am Daniel. Hi, I'm Brandon. And today we have a special guest. We have our friend Martha here. To- Hello. And we'll be covering the David Schwimmer starring Madagascar. Martha, why did you pick this movie? Because I've already seen it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that is a that is a great answer. I said I liked it when I was a kid, so it was just low risk, high reward. Rewatching it, um, I was kind of surprised of how many jokes in this movie. I was like, oh man, I remember really thinking that was very funny when I was a child when this came out. Oh yeah, yeah. All of the jokes that I used to find find funny, I found exceedingly annoying this time around. And then I think all of the ones that I didn't understand. Yeah, yeah. Like I. I thought the lemurs were so funny and now I'm like, should Sasha Baron Cohen be doing an accent like that? That that seems maybe a little problematic. So I um also in preparation for this movie, I watched The Wild, which is the other movie that was basically the same thing as this movie. Uh the Disney movie that came out like the year after, which has like almost a very similar plot of like animals at like a New York zoo who go to uh like a like island or foreign country something. 
somewhere. And it's like clearly what seemed to happen was they both were from the same original idea and like one studio got it and made the movie quickly and the other studio made it later. But that movie, I can talk more about that later, but that movie also had a character doing a fake Indian accent in it. Oh my God. was really weird. Because when I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, there's definitely some similarities. They both have a lion. And then all of a sudden, there's just a character who does a fake Indian accent. So I wonder if there's just some like brainstorming like storyboard out there with like 20 plot points and one of them is just like bad Indian accent as one of the things that needs to be in the movie because it's in both. I'm uh, I'm looking up the wild now and the animation style of that movie is deeply upsetting to me. It's awful. Yeah. I mean, not that this one is like great, but it's like at least like that like it's within like the DreamWorks era of that style, you know? It looks fine. This one's the least serviceable. Yeah, yeah. It's no Miyazaki, that's for sure. That's true. You're not like, you're not watching this and just in awe of the animation at any point, really. Yeah. It's just a clear, like, mid-2000s DreamWorks movie that... This is, like, the beginning of, like, hiring uh, people who are already famous instead of voice actors to be in animated movies and then just, like, you know, like, being... Like, this feels like this era, like, the mid-2000s is, like, when the start trend really, like, picked up, you know? Because, like, it used to be more common to do, like, oh, like, yeah, maybe there's, like, one big name to sell it, but we did, like, it's a lot of just, like, people who do voice acting for a living. And this is all just famous people. Yeah, I was floored by the cast. I didn't know that Jada Pinkett Smith is in it. I didn't, I kind of forgot that Jada Pinkett Smith and Chris Rock were both in this movie. Yeah. Oh, wow. So. That's a good point. Like, I knew Chris Rock was, but I totally forgot Jada Pinkett Smith was in this movie, too. And same with, uh, honestly, David Schwimmer. I forgot he was in this movie. I think on a previous episode, we were talking about his movies, and I forgot he was in Madagascar. Yeah. Until you also remembered it, of course, because, you know, it's your favorite movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, infamously, Madagascar is my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly. You're more of an escape to Africa person, usually, though. I just love it when David Schwimmer plays a giraffe with intensive hypochondria. <laughs> that that really floats my boat. I'm glad he, like, got, like, a running gag throughout, though, at least. Like, I'll give them some credit for having, like, a running gag established for David Schwimmer. Because J.P. Smith doesn't really get anything. Yeah, barely any point to her character at all. This movie is, like, sort of about, like, male friendship, but mostly it's about, like, nothing. It's like, it's like, oh, man, let's go to, like, we want to, we want to escape New York. And then it's like, okay, like, there's, like, three different movies in this. Like, the first one is, like, escaping out of the zoo. The middle one is, like, surviving on an island. And then the last, like, 18 minutes, it's like, oh, wait, Alex is a lion. We should probably, like, address that at some point, you know? I was honestly stressed throughout the whole movie about when Alex had last consumed food. And I was literally like charting it. And I was like, it's been three days since Alex has eaten food. Mm. Four days since Alex has eaten food. <laughs> the lion is going to starve to death. Oh, it just doesn't come up. Like, it's like truly like the last 20 minutes of the movie is when they introduce the like, oh, now he starts seeing everyone as steaks. And like his, his instincts of like a predator are kicking in. And it just seems like they should have like maybe hinted at it or something earlier in the movie. I mean, I guess it's just blatant because like everyone knows what 
lions and zebras relationships are in real life but it's just sort of such a strange pivot to do it at the like the very last second they do a couple hints like at the very beginning he has like a daydream or not daydream he just is sleeping and has dreams about steak so it's sort of hinted that he's obsessed with food which i guess is just a lion thing but it's not really yeah lions are known for being obsessed with food all right like i'm gonna do my little five comedy special about it he also like there's this weird part where he makes a point of saying he doesn't know where steaks come from he's just like this delicious mystery food that you know that the zoo gives me and it's like they could have made it a little bit more like yeah it's meat you know (laughs) uh speaking of that another similarity between this movie and the wild that exact same thing happens in the wild where they don't know where steaks really come from because at the very beginning uh Kiefer Sutherland's character he plays the main character in that movie (laughs) Kiefer Sutherland's the main character in the wild (laughs) FYI uh this is 24 peak era just so he's like getting his food or whatever and there's like a steak that's just shaped like a rabbit he's like "Ooh, we're having rabbit for dinner tonight and it's like that's like clearly like an off like a sight gag about like oh yeah like they don't know where the food comes from is there a zoo is this movie just the exact same movie it's pretty similar (laughs) like it's more dramatic than the madagascar is because it's like a disney movie so they try to have like some like actual like like it's like a father and son of the main characters they have some like bonding moments between them and stuff there's like a real plot to it i guess you'd call it a real plot maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little bit it's about as mishmash as this movie is sort of where like the second half doesn't really vibe with the first half mm. do we uh do we think that lions in captivity are fed steaks what else would they be fed i guess is my I question cheaper cuts of beef that's okay that's fair steak is just a clearly easy thing to animate probably like yeah. you're not gonna like, have your way to animate like some very cheap beef yeah you want to you wouldn't want to animate ground beef like that wouldn't look good but just you know from a standpoint i have a doubt lions are being fed like a ribeye or a t-bone steak like it looks like alex was being fed have you guys ever seen the movie secondhand lions uh years ago i think i haven't there's there's a there's a good bit where like so it's about these like two old people who get like a used lion from the circus and then they like are like the surrogate father for this kid um and they like take care of this lion but there's a good bit in the movie where they just get perina lion chow like and they never (laughs) explain what's in it they're just like yeah the lion just eats a bag of lion chow from like the dog food company it's like that's great i love that do you want to know what it is because i have it here yeah 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 okay lions in captivity feed heavily on a variety of different types of meats including beef sheep rabbit chicken horse and heads of horses heads of horses heads so of horses. like i think in the godfather after they after they yelled cut on the scene like where they put the horse's head in like the guy's uh, mm, bed yeah they fed the horse's head to a lion immediately afterwards it was not only did they feed it to a lion it was the uh mgm lion <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was still alive at that point it was the 70s yeah. so this lion yeah. was still around. <laughs> um man knowing that though there's a much darker movie to be made here where the like i mean because like chris rock is a horse sort of zebras are horses right yeah so it's like uh he, he should instead of biting his butt he should be eating his head yeah they wouldn't do that in this movie probably though no no i, I have like a kind of interesting fact about this movie like about how they almost got a pg-13 rating instead of a pg or at least they were worried they might because like they had some plot line i guess where uh i guess should we just refer to them as 
their animal type or like because I don't know the character names that well. Yeah, just name call them by either the actor who voiced them or the type of animal they are. Okay, so um, apparently in the original script, the hippo and the giraffe were supposed to like have a sort of will they or won't they relationship, which actually a giraffe has a will they or won't relationship with another animal in the wild also. So it's just <laughs> ridiculous at this point. But so they were um, supposed to like possibly have one and then like they would have like apparently like the hippo is going to be pregnant and because they like wanted to like have what like the they wanted her to like they, they were having some issues with like breeding problems on like in the zoo so they like bred the hippo and then she was going to have the baby on the island and she and the giraffe were going to raise it together but they cut this from the movie because they thought the test audiences might think the pregnancy plot's too like mature for a family film especially since it was like interspecies like raising the kid, I guess. Mm, yeah, I can definitely see that. Uh, but then in the wild, uh, there is one scene where, so basically in the wild, uh, it's a squirrel and giraffe who are like, oh, well, there won't they? The giraffe is voiced by Janine Garofalo <laughs> and the squirrel is voiced by Jim Belushi. <laughs> so... <laughs> No! Oh my god. <laughs> so, uh, one of the lines that the squirrel says while he's flirting with the giraffe is he goes, like, he, like, at one point he gets lost and, like, some geese, like, help him get back or whatever and he's, like, riding on the geese and, like, uh, he says to the giraffe, bet you didn't know I could ride geese and then he does a pause and then says bareback and then slaps his ass. <laughs> I was like, how is this in a Disney movie? That's it's- very upsetting. I'm really glad they cut that, um, like, that plot because that sucks. <laughs> I wonder if that was, like, in lieu of because originally like the lemurs were going to play a much smaller role um and so i wonder if they were like oh no this is way funnier like we'll just put them in the movie more um instead of doing a weird pregnancy plot line it is really funny how every breakout character in this movie is someone who's not one of the four main characters because both the penguins and the lemurs got their own tv shows from this and the penguins got their own movie yeah and you know what the the penguins still hold up in my opinion i remember loving them as a kid and i was like you know what this is still the best part of the movie absolutely it tracks it tracks the 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 bit when they get to antarctica they're just like well this sucks (laughs) and then leave again it's that's very funny that's the best laugh of the movie by far i like the scene where um my favorite laugh of the movie is when um they go on to like when they when the zebra chris rock is like trying to go to grand central and i know what you're going to say but keep going well maybe you do because i thought this whole scene was actually really funny it was my favorite scene but the um part where um like they're all about to like they're uh like uh, the lion hippo and giraffe are all like running onto like the train and then everyone just screams and runs out of the train and then the lion goes up to someone and like stares at them like kind of intently and this guy who, who's holding like a newspaper like very scared and then like the lion's like looking at the newspaper and he's just like oh man nick's lost again uh, that was funny to me the funniest part of that whole montage was when the zebra was like like looking at the train schedule and he goes oh man i missed the express i'll have to take the stanford local <laughs> and for some reason i uncontrollably laughed at that line just the humanness in it was too good for me that is that was a very funny line actually there's like a reoccurring bit in like the first like like first third of the movie where they all like know a lot about new york in like you know like um uh melvin the giraffe is always He's giving people like directions and it's just like oh no, no you know don't take that street because it's two lanes and you 
can't time the red lights and all this stuff. I mean, it's just like, it's good. It's it's good little New Yorky stuff. Would yeah. it shock you to learn that that exact same thing happens in the wild also? Oh my- <laughs> 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 um, I also like the scene where the where uh, Melvin the zebra is walking up to like the uh, horse that's like the you know the cop ho- the police yeah. horse and like the police horse has this like very like exaggerated like New York cop accent and then like they, he's just giving him the directions or whatever and then like the like uh, very like you know casually sort of and then like the police officer is like tell asking his unit he's like should I shoot the zebra and I was like yeah of course a cop would ask that first <laughs> yeah. yeah I mean if it was a real New York cop he would have just shot him before without asking but you know <laughs> that's true that's true um, there's a really good line when the zebra he escapes for the first time and Alex is like but where would he go and then Melman is like Connecticut <laughs> as if they consider Connecticut the wild and I was like that's that's good stuff that's yeah. for the adults I like it when they sprinkle in the, the jokes for the adults because you know like the parents are gonna go see the movies with the kids you don't want the parents to be miserable while they're watching the movie you have to throw a dog a bone of course and speaking of like jokes for adults like the two monkeys uh like were kind of like the very like one of them like is very like british like uh, like high up monkey or whatever and then the other one doesn't talk at all but like uses sign language and like at one point like when like they break open like the uh, you know, like open up the zoo and like all get out. Like they make a joke about uh, Tom Wolf, like the novelist. Mm-hmm. Um, and like they're just like, oh, I heard Tom Wolf is playing at this thing. And then he's like, should we uh, go? And is like, oh yeah, of course we're gonna throw poop at him on stage also or something. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> gonna throw in there. That scene just kind of made me stop, and I was like, I wonder if they spent a long time being like, all right, who's like someone that like is like relatively like you know like if, I wonder if they had the joke and then they just it took them a while to pick which art like which author they were going to say was gonna be like giving a speech because Tom Wolf is such a strange reference for me. Yeah, because he's like I guess what he's like mostly like a he writes like about about like what like generations or something and like sort of like. I don't. I didn't, honestly didn't really know much about him. Like, I feel like I recognize the name, but I could not place him at all. Yeah, I looked him up, and he did, like does a bunch of like weird, like kind of sort of like big. Like he was big in like the I don't know seventies or eighties, and like writing like ph- philosophical stuff or something. And then like the year after this came out, The Simpsons had an episode also where they had like a bunch of like high like intelligent minds on, and they apparently cut a scene where Tom Wolf gets crushed by a boulder. Shit <laughs> 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 on him in like one year. <laughs> That's funny. I have a feeling that the Tom Wolf joke was written by one of the writers for someone specifically. It's and they be. were able to sneak it into the movie and convince the director of the movie to, to leave it in at the end. Yeah, like I feel like they kind of maybe knew they wanted to make a funny poop joke or something. And they're just like, well, we're going to sprinkle this guy's name in here and see if it sticks. Mm-hmm. Just the right level of obscurity. Exactly. Yeah. So I guess one thing we probably should talk about a lot about is like David Schwimmer's actual like performance in this movie. Uh, Cause one thing I caught, which I don't know if this is on purpose or not, but his very first line, it sounds like he messes up. Like he I don't think has, I like, noticed it. I forget what, like he's like, it's when um uh Alex is like the lion is going around and like talking to all his friends or whatever. And he goes over to David Schwimmer and he's just like, I don't know, like wake up or whatever. And then David Schwimmer says something about like the spots on his nose or something. But like, he like says like the spots on my, the brown spots on my nose or something. And like, it sounds like, it almost sounds like it's trying to be 
like humanistic, yeah. but I can't tell if that's on purpose or if David Sherman just messed up and they're like, we're just gonna, we have to rush this theme. We're just going to keep going. I, I I didn't notice this at all. I think I caught it mostly because I was trying to keep an eye on David Sherman's voice acting role in this movie. Mm. So I was like, I don't know if I trust him as a voice actor, but he's actually fine. Yeah. Things? He probably has. I feel like we should know this. <laughs> but I can't think of anything else besides this Madagascar 2 Escape to Africa and then Madagascar yeah, 3. I don't I don't think he really has. He has a decent voice for voice acting because he just has like the voice you can just throw in like a weirdly either like continuously scared or pathetic character sort of. Yeah, I, I mean I kind of thought that Ben Stiller and Chris Rock were really phoning this one in. And so I thought I thought he did like a much better job. I I liked Chris Rock enough. I think Ben Stiller was definitely phoning this in, though. They also kind of gave uh, him like a little more to do in a way, because like like every he just had more like because he was like a nervous guy who was like you know that's like more in the voice than the other characters who just were just sort of talking regularly most of the time. Yeah, like Ben Stiller was using sort of a vaguely loud voice as the lion to try to convey that, and then Chris Rock is just being Chris Rock. Yeah. <laughs> there was really nothing special about Alex the Lion. Like, it, it, it was dry. Yeah. In no, my opinion. Nothing compared to Samson the Lion, the main character from the movie The Wild, of course. Making <laughs> here, for sure. You know how I confuse David Schwimmer with all the time when it comes to, like, animated voice acting? Okay. It's Ray Romano. Ooh. And for some reason, I thought for the longest time that... Um, Manny in Ice Age was David Schwimmer and not Ray Romano. That makes sense because they're both like guys who were famous in the 90s for sitcoms, but their voice, and they also kind of look alike. Uh, yes. But their voices aren't very similar. No, there was no real coherent thought here. <laughs> it was just like an assumption that I had made years ago that I have never challenged. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. You know, you may, I guess you just assume that David Schwimmer ran the gambit on early 2000s uh, animation movies. Uh, he didn't really, like, he wasn't really, I mean, he did a bunch of Madagascar stuff. There's Madagascar 2, Mary Madagascar, the Christmas TV short, and then Madagascar 3, uh, and then Madly Madagascar. But I, I'm not really seeing that many, there's not really any other voice acting he did in, in between Madagascar movies. Mm. So, speaking of all the stuff, like, all the sequels and, like, the shorts and everything, do we think that, like, Sasha Baron Cohen got like the best contract of everyone in this movie because he does not have to play his voice role in any of like the shorts or any of the TV shows whereas all four of the main cast had to appear in the shorts as like their voice acting roles that's crazy normally for shorts they get some just sound alike which they did for Sasha Baron Cohen but every, all the main four they got them back like they're not in the TV shows obviously but they're in like the random shorts they probably threw on like DVD extras or whatever yeah I, I do not know I, I probably who who replaces Sasha Baron Cohen? Uh, it's just a random voice actor. Um, okay. No one like you know famous per se. Yeah. Uh, it's um uh Danny Jacobs who. Uh, I guess is the Sasha Baron Cohen impersonator basically because he also played Borat in Epic Movie. Oh my god! <laughs> wow. so, 
I guess that's kind of like his thing. Hmm. Oh, he's also Victor's is as in uh, the Batman Arkham games. He, that's actually a good role. I respect yeah, that's this guy. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you, so maybe you lost a little bit of respect, but then you gained it. Yes, because the Batman Arkham games are some of my favorite video games of all time. So you know, I'll give him a, I'll give him a pass now. Okay. Okay. Just a bit. Just a bit. Uh, but yeah, I mean, David Schwimmer had some kind of funny lines here and there. He was kind of just a one note character pretty much the whole time. But you know, yeah. you kind of need a character to carry the comedy of it, especially when the main two characters one of them just makes a bunch of wise cracking references and things and the other one just doesn't say anything besides i'm hungry yeah (laughs) yeah and like you know yeah like at least like melvin had like a personality or like a character trait of just like yeah he's like a hype it's one note but it's like more than uh the other two or the other three characters like especially like the hippopotamus which is like we just needed a girl (laughs) truly they just yeah they needed one girl to balance it out yeah yeah that's supposed to be the common case for a lot of uh 2000s movies i feel like shrek's maybe the exception to that rule maybe because like at least fiona's a pretty fleshed out character yeah a lot of a lot of movies like just in general it's like all right this movie is about two friends then the third like like comic relief character the turtle if you will uh and then one lady (laughs) they should have had an actual turtle in this movie because this is around entourage came out yeah yeah really really and very reference heavy like this movie there's like a ton of like they do like a planet of the apes reference that doesn't really work at all and like i missed that it was so weird. Like, it was so out of place because it was just, like, when uh, when David Schwimmer accidentally burns down the, like, shelter that they created for, like, the... The, like, Statue of Liberty thing. Yeah, he's, like, you blew it all... You, like, you know, he does, like, the whole, like, damn you all or whatever, like, the end of Planet of the Apes thing with, like, the statue... The ape statue of liberty. Uh, they have ones too yeah but he says darn you all to heck because it's a children's movie and it's just like what you didn't have to do this this sucks yeah cut that one out at least yeah truly i remember thinking when i was a kid though um that like the jokes that i find incredibly cringe now like the health turning into hell and sugar honey iced tea meaning shit like i i thought i was (laughs) so cool when i noticed those things and as an adult rewatching them i was like "Mm, this doesn't really hit it, it it doesn't slap like it used to. No, the hell one I was like, ah, whatever. This is telegraphed, sort of, but it was yeah. fine. Yeah. The the big things that I thought were funny as a kid that I didn't really appreciate much was mostly just all the lemur stuff, yeah. like them doing like you know, like I like to move it, move it. That is that that is it's crazy to me, like that that song is now like more associated with this movie than it is anything else. And like oh, yeah. if 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 the, someone does like a music you or you know you're like out and about and like someone's gonna like play this song like at a bar or something it's gonna be the madagascar version and not the original now it's crazy it's crazy just that's what is like the staying power of this movie which i'm pretty sure the uh madagascar version of the song not the one in the movie i don't think but the actual version of the song has the sasha baron cohen replacement doing the vocals for sasha baron cohen's character wow oh really <laughs> how Solid. much they don't sasha baron cohen was just like i'm doing the three movies and that is it i'm not doing anything else yeah well i mean apparently he was he was uh only supposed to be in the movie for a very short amount of time but then started just like ad-libbing and they thought it was very funny so they like extend like expanded the role so it might be like um you know uh cursed by his own like success it's just like no i don't really want to play this character but they keep saying (laughs) i'm doing a really good job at it and they keep giving me more and more work to do it really does feel that way uh shout out to my parents though for probably tolerating 
all of my behavior after watching this movie because I know I was obsessed with the song I like to move it, move it. <laughs> and I probably would sing my own version of it in the car. And are there any other lyrics in the song other than I like to move it? There's a part where they talk about women's bodies in a really weird way. <laughs> Excellent. Oh, wow. Fantastic. Yeah, there's, there's a whole breakdown where he goes physically fit, physically fit. And he's talking about ladies who are physically fit. That, yeah. I thought that was nonsense. I thought they were singing gibberish. I didn't think no. that it's physically fit. So when I would sing it, I would be like, and my my parents in the car. God bless them. Yeah, not, I I was not as obsessed with this movie. I don't think as a kid. I think I only watched it one time, and that was uh in while I was on a trip to Canada, and I was like, we stayed in like New York for a night before we like took a train to Canada, and I were like watching it with my mom just like in like a hotel room. And the one thing I remember from this movie very well was the scene where they show like the dead parachuting guy like in the tree. Mm. I remember that like vaguely, not like scarring me, but like I remember just being like, why is this in a kid? his movie it's kind of dark uh yeah. and i'm still not convinced that the penguins didn't kill anyone because they like knocked out a lot of people and then like put them on some random boat somewhere who's to say they survived yeah they 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 say they're on a slow lifeboat to china which is almost a joke <laughs> that sort of counts as a joke but it's not that funny um but yeah it, it would have been honestly a better movie if the penguins just killed people and i'm guessing the penguins movie is good because they are the best part of this but then also like i wonder like the dreamworks just is like dreamworks made this right yes before i yeah dreamworks just like loves taking the little goofy characters and giving them their own franchise like they did that with the minions too and the the penguins and uh third example oh boss baby got a franchise that's dreamworks isn't it boss baby was the main person i feel like well yeah i feel like the main person in boss baby is actually the audience because they're having such a good time <laughs> and actually admittedly i i I actually watched some of the Penguins of Madagascar show when it aired originally. Because uh, even though it was like kind of past the time of like when I should be watching kids shows probably. I was going to ask how old you were when that came out. Like, so I always do this thing whenever like, especially when I was like in like high school, middle school, I would do the same thing like, when I was about to go to sleep. I would just throw on like a like Nickelodeon or Disney thing just so it's something like mindless that I can have on like with the volume vaguely on and like I'd go to sleep while it's on. And Penguins of Madagascar is always one of the last shows that they aired on like, I don't know, some night on Nickelodeon when I was going to sleep. So I remember like watching like a decent amount of it and being like, yeah, this is kind of fun actually. Hmm. Uh, although it did throw me off when I was watching the movie because I for some reason remember very vividly that Kevin Michael Richardson voices the lemur advisor in the show. And when I saw Cedric the Entertainer voicing him in the movie, I was like, what is going on here? This is not my Maurice. <laughs> Hashtag not my Maurice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> who who voices Maurice in the TV show? Kevin Michael Richardson. He's like a oh. very well-regarded voice actor. He's in like everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, the penguins, like the voice acting of the main penguin was like the most well-acted character of the movie. Which, I really felt like all the other characters were kind of dry. And it's really funny that you say that because like the voice actor for the Penguin is one of the co-directors of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
he just voices like the penguin in this movie uh it's tom mcgrath who's like one of the directors of like yeah. madagascar and like he does like all the other stuff too like i think he directed like boss baby and like megamind or everything so he just basically gives himself the best role in the movie and like does the best job mm. <laughs> which is real because uh, meanwhile in uh the uh the wild the director does gets a very small role in that movie and it's not the scene stealer that tom mcgrath was in madagascar unfortunately that's the yeah. only part of the plot that diverges from madagascar <laughs> otherwise it is the same movie <laughs> <laughs> pretty much <laughs> Uh, um, but yeah, I I will say I actually admittedly I I really think the best part of this movie is like the first like third. It's yeah, like I agree. It, There's more content that is for all ages. Like the whole bit about escaping New York and trying to get to Connecticut and riding the subway. Like there are a lot of people who can watch this and find a part of it funny because there are jokes that appeal to everyone in the audience. And then you kind of lose that. And I feel like when you get to the the lemurs it's just like if you're not 10 or younger you're not really having a good time watching the rest of the movie yeah lemurs are kind of boring the penguins are almost taken out of the movie in the second half sort of because they just are on their own yeah so it's mostly just the main four dealing with lemurs occasionally and that's not really as fun as the first half yeah i mean it is a kids movie so like all that stuff i like i agree with you guys but i also think that the like the movie that you would make for grown-ups would be like a comedy just about animals living in the zoo and it's like and then you would make it sort of like a movie where it's like it's like oh like they're performers at the zoo so you just do like a New York show business movie right like Alex the Lion kind of is like a diva actor instead of just like a guy you know like it's a completely different movie and it would be more for grown ups because kids wouldn't be like oh like this is making subtle references to like Broadway <laughs> well that's also the other thing they remove like the diva plot like because like it almost seemed like they were trying to do something with that but they only make like one reference to it at the end when they try to fake out the bad guys where like uh ben stiller is like the star of the zoo and like clearly he the whole movie wants to go back to the zoo because he's like the main guy there but they don't really go into depth about him being like an egotistical like guy or anything really it's just no, like I he's mean, the movie doesn't really you know it, like <laughs> Based on its merits, you know, it's fine because it is, again, like a kid's movie. But it's also it's also doing the thing that you and I have kind of decided is like a barometer of like whether a movie is going to be good or not. And the fact that it is just shy of 90 minutes kind of does say to me that it's like oh, they, they really like did everything they could to make this movie a full length movie. But they just they just didn't have it everything there, you know. No. How do they continue the storyline? Like there was so little content content to work with like how do they make it three movies well they have a cliffhanger at the end of this movie where they they say the boat's almost out of gas so right right and then the madagascar cinematic universe begins yeah the madagascar <laughs> cinematic universe yeah. uh yeah so that was clearly a good that was a good, that was a little good like a subtle sequel bait i would say not really that's have either of you seen any of the like i know you said you watched the show but have you seen the movies or no no me neither watch the penguins movie mostly because i'm obviously a huge fan of the penguins uh yeah. but by the time i got around to it, it was out of theaters by the time i was like tempted to watch it and i think it's available somewhere so i think i like probably pirated it when i was in college or something and like had it just on my like watch list but i never got around to it um but yeah. i definitely meant to in two and three i never meant to get around to but i've heard like two is at least fine i can't imagine three is but maybe it is wait is three not the penguins movie or is the penguin another movie oh that's a whole different movie <laughs> okay so i was joking when i said madagascar 
Madagascar cinematic universe. <laughs> but I realize now that that's not a joke. That's the actual reality. Oh, yeah. And I can't believe that they built a cinematic universe surrounding such a mediocre animated movie. There's three main movies. There's two shorts, including a holiday <laughs> short. There's the Penguins of Madagascar spinoff movie. There's a Penguins of Madagascar spinoff TV show. And then there's a Lemur spinoff TV show that aired on Netflix like seven years ago. Oh, you must be kidding. Oh my God. I'm a, so I'm looking, I'm looking at, um, uh, Madagascar escape to Africa where it's number two. Um, and the plot is the Madagascar animals fly back to New York city, but crash land on an African nature reserve where they meet others of their own kind. And Alex especially discovers his Royal heritage as a prince of a lion pride. But the other thing I'm looking, I'm looking at the cast and the old late, the old lady who beats up um, the lion in the in Grand Central Station. She is also in Madagascar too. Uh, get ready for her show. She's gonna get her own show in like two years. Yeah. <laughs> There, okay, speaking of which, there is an old lady who beats up Jim Belushi in the wild. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> okay, let's theorize about what this old lady's role is. It looks like that she's on a African tour. That's what I was going to say. Love I was going to say she was touring Africa. Yeah, Love and it. then it like beats him up again. Oh man. <laughs> You know, good for her for get for sticking in around this universe. Does anyone voice her? Like, does she have like a voice actor that's like anybody? Uh, no, not really. I only know what she ends up doing in the movie because she's the first photo on IMDb. <laughs> she's a star. Wow, yeah, she's a beloved character. <laughs> to be fair, I did remember her because she's she features very heavily in the trailer. I'm pretty sure. Like, I think in the, I haven't I didn't watch the trailer yeah. yet. I seem to recall that that scene is in the trailer where like he gets hit by her. Like, that's a big deal. Wow, they really did a. Fa- like they did Zendaya with Dune. You think you would have thought watching the trailer for Dune that Zendaya would have been all over that movie, but she, she's not. She has how many minutes green time? Like three? Yeah. And then those three minutes, she's mostly just kind of staring. Yeah. Man, uh, they really lose the plot. Matt, get, guess what Madagascar 3 is about? Uh, <laughs> like actually? Yeah. Like, well, what's just, the name just of the movie? Quick it, right? Okay, they they get up to some nefarious acts in Africa, and they have to get put back in a zoo. Um, I'm gonna guess they go to a circus. Okay, yeah, Daniel's right. They join a circus in Europe. <laughs> I feel like I probably in the back of my mind knew that answer. Probably in like it's called Europe's Most Wanted. The Madagascar animals join a struggling Europe. European circus to get back to New York, but find themselves being pursued by a psychotic animal control officer. I feel like the psychotic animal control officer is in the Penguins of Madagascar TV show also. It, and it's, vo- there. she's voiced by Frances McDormand. What? That's fun. Oh my yeah, God. Yeah, no, the the cast really expands in the third one. Jessica Chastain, Brian Cranston, and no! Margaret Short. Wow. Uh, it cost $145 million to make the third Madagascar <laughs> 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 and it made 746 million. <laughs> you must be joking. How are these movies successful? I oh apparently God. they were supposed to make a fourth one in 2018, but they restructured DreamWorks animation like a few years ago, so they like removed it from the schedule. That was a gift to humanity. <laughs> we almost got it. We were so close. <laughs> oh man. I'm- uh, floored by that cast. That is just like a whole cast of Oscar winners. Like, are you kidding? We also have Vinnie Jones as a dog, which is very fun. Wow. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's very ridiculous. I love like a good, okay. And also I, I feel like we should, I don't know if we, I guess we probably should talk about this maybe. Uh, well, mm, 
No, we should. We if we do a Madagascar three, we can talk about then about how Noah Baumbach was the one of the writers on it, and that's what Marriage yeah. Story is about. <laughs> we can talk about that later. That guy is a wolf. <laughs> uh, so the uh, other thing is like one of the writers for this movie, I guess, also like writes a bunch of like uh, like the Shaun the Sheep movies and like all the big like all the like Ardman Studio movies, which I love almost all of them, especially yeah, Shaun the Sheep. Shaun the Sheep movie, I think, is one of the funniest movies of the past decade. I will stand by that statement. I don't know. This oh my movie. god, I have not seen it. It's so it's like a movie. Have you? Do you guys know the Shaun the Sheep character? It's from the so one of the Wallace and Gromit shorts had like Shaun the Sheep is just like a sheep who I think they were like I haven't seen the short in like twenty years, but I think it was like they're trying to like get some like bad person trying to get its wool, and Wallace and Gromit were trying to save it. I I remember this. It's it's kind of like an iconic character, is it not? Is exactly. It? Why they made its own TV show for Shaun the Sheep on like Disney or something? Does it speak? Well, so no, it does not speak. That's part of the thing. Is that like in the show, like the show on Disney was like a few, it was just like a five minute animated short. Like they would have at the end of other shows, I think. Yeah. And so they just have like a small wacky plot or whatever. It'd be like, I don't know, Sean the sheep wants to like play basketball. So he would like play basketball with some friends, other sheep, and like the dog would try and stop them, be like shenanigans ensue. But they made two Sean the Sheep movies uh, within the past like eight years. And I saw the first one in theaters and it was like... <laughs> <laughs> that's the most daniel thing i've ever heard <laughs> and it was so good like i uh because it like, got like insanely good reviews and i remember liking the character from like Wallace and gromit and from like the shorts so i like went to go watch the movie in theaters i was like this was a really good time uh so then i i showed like i then i watched it again like i think during the pandemic and i was like this movie still holds up it's pretty fun and then this they made a sequel for it a few years ago i think might have been the last movie i watched before the pandemic started possibly and also very good. Just two banners right there. Wow. So this writer had a glow up is what you're saying. Yes. From Madagascar to Ab- Sean the Sheep. Absolutely. Uh, major glow up because Sean the Sheep and Sean the Sheep Farmageddon are both great movies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still, I'm just like stuck on the fact that this first movie almost had no material. They couldn't even stretch <laughs> it to an hour and a half. And Brandon, with you describing, like giving that five sentence description of the third movie, I'm like, that could be a five minute short. Like, how do they make that into an actual movie? It's it's very funny to like, you know, just be like, oh, we're gonna put these characters in different situations because that's that's what people like about this movie. And it's just like, and we just spent the last like 40 minutes talking about how fucking boring the four main characters are. Like <laughs> um, that's kind of like the secret to success in like a in like a kids movie is like the main characters need to be like sort of uninteresting so you can project yourself on them and then you just surround them by like likable silly characters doing bits you know yes like give another example of this like all right the the three daughters in um despicable me yeah yeah despicable me like the the daughter characters are just very regular boring kids and then like but the minions and Gru is a silly voice guy you know and uh that the the main villain that like shoots fish out of a gun isn't that his thing there's a fun there's some fun stuff there yeah I, yeah now that you say this this makes a lot of sense because a lot of the old disney princesses were were bland as hell like right yeah so bland cinderella no personality like Belle, she reads that's her thing and that's the only thing that she does but when i was watching them when i was a kid it i could put my personality in character yeah and, yeah it's like they they make them very boring so then you can be like oh 
oh, what if I hung out with like a bunch of dwarves? Or what if my best friend was a like teacup or whatever? You know, it's like it's what um, dwarves but mice. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The the that's the best part of that movie, the mice. Yeah, I like the mice. Mice are good. Uh, speaking of best parts of movie, what was the worst part of this movie? Mm, good question. I I feel like well, basically the entire second half, I did not like that much of this movie, <laughs> but. I feel like the uh, last, like, ten minutes are kind of just there. Like, they just sort of pretend, to, they sort of, like, wrap things up, and they're like, oh, yep, things are wrapped up. But it's like, what did you really wrap up? You just scared off some of, like, the bad guys, and everyone's just kind of hanging out now, and maybe going on a boat. Yeah, like, the the one thing they do is, like, oh, uh, the lion will eat sushi now, and that's the solution. Uh, yeah. So the sequel should have been about the fish, and being like, what the hell, man? We weren't being <laughs> eaten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, they go out of their way to not really kill that many animals in this movie, except for uh, when they kill like that, like hundreds of fish. Well, yeah, all oh. the fish. But then when they have that little like duck that like they like, I yeah, I laughed out loud at that actually <laughs> when they did that. That was really funny to me for some reason. Yeah, like when when like uh, Chris Rock, David Schwimmer, and Jay Pink and Smith have like the little duck and they think it's so cute and they bring it back to the little water and then it gets just like swallowed by a, a crocodile. crocodile. Yeah. yeah, that one's good. But- the the gag before that one is even better where a snake like chases a rabbit into the bush and then the rabbit comes out and like wipes his brow like whoo close call and then a hawk comes and takes it <laughs> Um, I want to say, okay, so two thoughts. One, the whole bit about the fish thing is confusing to me and it doesn't track because I'm like, the fish should be animated in the way that all of the other dumb animals are animated and they should be given like a conscience too. But also I couldn't stop thinking about the fact that Alex is going to get mercury poisoning. (laughs) (laughs) That factors into the second movie quite heavily. Yeah. And that's all he's eating. He's got to get mercury poisoning. (laughs) One is it drives the fish thing drives me insane because they made the choice to have a spider talk. And it's like, well, if insects are, if the like, if, well, I guess spiders aren't insects. If bugs and stuff. Uh, if if bugs and stuff uh, like are able to talk, then why aren't fish? Like, why are fish unintelligent? Also, they made him sushi. Where the hell did those penguins get rice? <laughs> exactly. If they had rice this whole time, there this wouldn't have been a problem. And how did it, the penguin amass the scales to become a chef? Like, I found myself really poking holes in the plot. This movie at the end because I'm like I think the penguin's the best part, but like they take massive creative liberties. Oh yeah. Do you guys think um Ben Stiller as the lion being super hungry comes up in the second and third movies? Or do you think they just never address what he eats again? Probably never again. They probably don't. Yeah. I'm sure they figure out other solutions for what he eats quickly, so they don't have to make that like the plot of the other two. Uh although I will say, like, speaking of being hungry and like rice. I have a pitch for like a Madagascar movie that was not made, which is that they should have made Madagascar 4 about like the Madagascar crew being stranded on like an island. And then it turns out they're filming like a survivor style reality show there. So like the whole time they're trying to evade like a bunch of like reality show contestants while they're like trying to get off the island. That would actually be pretty Yeah. Yeah. It's an but I feel like if we get the game together for the Madagascar franchise, we get the wild writers in on this too. They can write some jokes that are the exact same <laughs> as the Madagascar writers. And then, you know, it could be a thing. Yeah, you could have like the the penguins are always like,
like fucking with like set production and stealing stuff from like craft services. That'd be yeah, great. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. This this could be something we should pitch this to DreamWorks. They canceled Madagascar Four probably because the plot sucked. I feel like they could yeah. bring this back when we get involved. The plot sucked, which was a strong <laughs> departure from the first three movies. <laughs> yeah, the first three movies are airtight. Yeah. The third movie basically shares the plot of like Muppets Two, doesn't it? Doesn't Muppets Two have a similar? <laughs> <laughs> or maybe they both just share the title most wanted maybe that's why i keep getting them confused it, but it, it's not okay so you're right that it does it is similar to the muppets movie and looking at the character design they they like are not dissimilar the like cop trying to catch the muppets and yeah. because it's like she's also got that mole and isn't that a big plot in that movie is like Kerm- there's a kermit with a mole and another kermit oh that sounds oh, familiar oh yeah there's yeah. a bad kermit man isn't that where that meme is from Oh, it might be. Where Kermit I don't know. Is the hooded Kermit. Yeah, I think you, I think you might be right. Is or is that? I admittedly don't have much of the Muppets uh, history. I, I'm not good with like modern Muppets. Like I haven't really watched movies since I like grew out of the Muppet age. But I mm-hmm. I've seen like every Muppet movie made before like 2000 and whenever that movie came out. And I watched like the entirety of the Muppet Show. So in the Thirty Rock one. The the what? Like the Thirty Rock style Muppet Show, like the one that was like sort of the fake or like the yeah the yeah, yeah, yeah yeah the like the og where like the mup like that's like where like the muppets like came from you know oh no like, that's how i'm talking about i'm talking about the one that was on abc for like a year in like 2014 oh no, like, no 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 i'm talking about the 70s one yeah 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 yeah, yeah. okay the OG. which is also 30 rock style um because it's is a it show like- about it's a show about them making the muppet show oh really like, i didn't think i knew that half, yeah. half the sketches on the muppet show like the original 70s muppet show half the sketches are like oh what's happening behind scenes in between like while we're making the Muppet show it's like a very meta show and the two old men were like always in the audience weren't they yeah like, yeah 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 great times yeah. Yeah. yeah no like most most episodes of the Muppet show are like based around like something is going wrong in the behind the scenes and Scooter and Kermit have to deal with it while the and show's going on so it like cuts between like the show and the stuff happening behind the show it's crazy you've never seen the Muppet show Daniel I've seen everything that apparently is made from the Muppet Show because Amanda Show I feel like has the same thing where every episode there'd be something behind the scenes going on. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. All that stems from like the Muppet Show style. Mm-hmm. Wow. We really came a long way, didn't we? Yeah. Uh, but yeah. So um, do we? Um, so I guess do we want to? Uh, do we have any other thoughts we want to talk about for this movie before we give it a rating? Because I I do have one other thought. Um, okay. As someone who uses TikTok, I didn't know that one of the most popular TikTok sounds how long is this going to take came from this movie mm-hmm. and how long is this going to take is used like several million times on tiktok so oh, wow. that was a fun moment when i heard that i was like oh i've heard that so many times in all of these gen z tiktok videos i always love like stumbling upon the origin of like a meme in like a tv show or movie and yeah. just being like oh that's what that's from yeah weird yeah. yeah it's usually something like unexpected i did not even think it would be from that yeah uh, like i was uh, you know, watching like this, like kind of weird sci-fi show that was made in the '90s, and then the characters like shut up and take my money, and I was like, "What?" Uh, 
No show. one saw that. Yeah. Oh man, Futurama is a good show. Yeah, that's a good show. It's it's also oh. like Futurama is like is probably and it's funny because it's made by the same people, but like like I feel like no one has more memes than The Simpsons. Like like ninety percent of like all jokes posted online are just Simpsons riffs. But like Futurama is like in like second, maybe third behind Thirty Rock. I would put Futurama above Thirty Rock just because like Futurama like gets more meme format memes also. Yeah. Where it's like 30 has like more just like people like it's more like a like sort of like comedy twitter thing i would say to like have like a 30 rock meme whereas like futurama memes like make it to mainstream twitter yeah but i mean you gotta remember 30 rock has like 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 the i want to go to there is like a thing it's yeah. crazy that people still say that first of all like that's that's not even a good 30 rock joke i don't like it and it's so annoying that people still say it also what a week huh lemon it's tuesday that's like man that gets posted every single day <laughs> my favorite joke from 30 Rock is when Alec Baldwin's character points at a leather couch and he goes, you see that couch? That's sea biscuit." <laughs> Uh, I think I've said this on the podcast before, but my favorite podcast, my favorite joke um, on in, on Thirty Rock is: "You have no investors. What about Brown and Folderson? That's what I call my wallet." <laughs> very funny. I I'm a very uh, like dumb humor Thirty Rock favorite fan, so I just like the scene where Tracy Morgan pretends to be the killing robot who tries to stab Conan O'Brien. <laughs> <laughs> also uh like like uh like something just like tracy have you seen have you seen jenna and also where's your shirt and he's like no and at large <laughs> <laughs> the bit too where tina fey goes feral so that people stop approaching her in the subway is a good bit oh yeah yeah they do like the like joker batman thing going on it's that's good, yeah, it's, good. It's, it's a it's a much better show um that uh we oh we can do an episode of 30 rock once though actually bringing it back he um ben uh, not ben stiller um ross uh the guy who we're talking about right now yeah swimmer david, david swimmer. swimmer jesus yeah david swimmer is a uh, green zone which is also a good episode that's funny um all right but spe- speaking of being feral on a subway these madagascar people right nice. how do we uh, wait do you, we gotta, have any- you gotta drop in uh once again we need the like damn that was a good segue uh, so I have one other thing that I want to talk about a little bit before Madagascar before we start rating it, which is the awards it was nominated for. Because um, okay. no. so first off, it got some Kids Choice Awards, sure, sure. Um, including like so it got um, like it, it so it won Best uh, Voice Favorite Voice in an Animated Movie for Chris Rock, and it won a uh, uh, Favorite Animated Movie also. Uh, what were the other nominees? So for Favorite Voice, uh, you got. Chris Rock, Johnny Depp from Corpse Bride, uh, wow, Ben Stiller from Madagascar. So Madagascar basically ran the category, and then Robin Williams from Robots, which uh, Robots was also nominated for favorite animated movie, along with Chicken Little and Wallace and Gromit: The Curse of the Were Rabbit. Man, what a other than Wallace and Gromit, what like a bad year for animated movies. Really? Well, it's also really funny because the guy who wrote Wallace and Gromit: Curse of the Were Rabbit also one of the writers of Madagascar because <laughs> it's the same. <laughs> on the sheet movies wow <laughs> uh so yeah very weird and then um 
So one other thing that this got nominated for, which I was trying to wrap my mind around, like wrap my brain around what this meant, was it got nominated for the Golden Eagle Award, which is an award that they give to like, it's like a Russian, like National Academy of like Motion Pictures in Russia award, which they give, it's like apparently modeled after the Golden Globes. It's like the Russian version of the Golden Globes, but they give a lot of awards to like foreign films and stuff. And so like they give like awards to like a bunch of stuff, like, you know, best animated feature film, best motion picture and all this stuff and so when i saw it won an award i was like oh okay like fine maybe they gave it like best animated feature film or whatever but no so they gave this film the um they have like a best feature film award which they apparently only give to like or not best feature film best foreign language film award which they only give to like a few uh movies like they i guess the way it works is they like nominate three movies and then they uh choose a winner so they nominated Madagascar for Best Foreign Language Film of 2005. Why? That's crazy. That's so funny. The other, what are the other ones that have won this category? So in 2005, the other um, movies that are nominated for uh, Best Foreign Language Film, uh, House of the Flying Daggers, which is like a Chinese film that was... You're kidding. Yeah, like it's like, you know, pretty well-regarded Chinese film. Yeah. Um, and then uh, The Aviator, which won. So can you imagine being the person who like has to go up on stage and say the nominees are uh, The Aviator, House of Flying Daggers, and Madagascar. <laughs> That's so funny. I don't understand why those were the three nominees. Do you think they have like really obscure, like controlled guidelines that very few movies can? If they do every other like, year, thread the needle through. Like, there's also like a thing of just like you finding out that like a movie that like was like you know like a. a solid like five and a half out of ten six out of ten movie in america that everyone's like yeah it made money but like nah, who cares there's all it's always like every now and then you always find the movies like oh yeah this movie did crazy well in some random ass country you know and so maybe uh, just russia just really loved madagascar well clearly this is like the weirdest list of movies ever because some years it's very clearly like actually like three of the best films of the year like they had one year where it's uh amelie like the or emily the french movie uh a beautiful mind and then this other movie called the piano teacher which is like a, another french movie oh, yeah and so it's like a very like clearly like that's a very like auteur year of like good movies one year it's um uh there will be blood no country for old men obviously the two best movies of the year probably give or take although the third movie nominated for that year is hancock so <laughs> very weird top three um and then like like they really just mostly most of the time they choose movies that are actually getting like good buzz like the most recent year do you think they can only choose for movies that are allowed to be like released in russia i gotta assume that's part of it but it's yeah. still interesting that like a lot of the time they go for like legit good movies um like it's just but then like madagascar got it lion king won this award in 2019 like the animated mediocre version that john favreau did uh uh, it beat out uh, Green Book and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I guess actually I would argue maybe Lion King was the best of those three. Uh, but um, it is still weird that some of these movies that got nominated and the fact that Madagascar is included on this list is baffling to me. Yeah, yeah that's, that's so strange. I don't know how we can pick that apart, but it's weird. It is very weird. Um, There's a conspiracy there. Yeah, they must have bought them out or something. It's like how um, it's um, it's a Pia Zador winning the uh, Golden Globe for best uh, new performer or whatever in 
like if I, they found out that like the company like paid for Golden Globe uh, like uh, Academy to like be like giving dinners and like got these fancy cruises <laughs> and all that. it's basically that for Madagascar and there's some conspiracy behind it that we'll find out soon enough mm-hmm. yeah let's do some digging um, um, do we want to rate yes so I was trying to think of a good way to rate this movie I don't know if you have any ideas Brandon um, I thought of one possible one okay I so, kind of want to do something with the Russian angle but I can't nothing comes to mind oh that'd be funny um how do you guys rate movies i guess you don't do stars so we mostly every week we pick a really annoying and like dumb but related to the film way of rating it so like when we were doing studio 60 on the sunset strip we would rate it on a scale of zero to 60 studios um and then like (laughs) you know like we every week it gets more and more complicated and esoteric and annoying (laughs) <laughs> what if we did like um rating based on the mercury levels in your body oh okay so like is it uh, good to if, if you like the movie do you have mercury poisoning um or is that a you don't like the movie i think it's the opposite i think if the movie is good you die of mercury poisoning because you okay. bought into the so apparent so i guess according to the mayo clinic zero to nine nanograms per milliliter are normal <laughs> For mercury levels, uh, 10 to 15 is mild exposure. Anything over 50 is heavy exposure. I don't know why they jump so high for that. Where's the other 35? Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> so okay, I, I like this a lot. This is a good idea, Martha. Yeah, um, do you want to go first? Well, let me just read out some symptoms of the mercury. <laughs> and we can describe like where we are on our rating in terms of what would be happening to our bodies. Love it. Um, so it would begin in like the moderate range with like tremors, headaches, difficulty sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, then it would progress to like muscle weakness, twitching, uh, emotional changes, like erratic mood swings, irritability, nervousness, ending in kidney damage, breathing difficulties, and then ultimately death. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Martha, where would you rate yourself on this scale? I would say I'm having headaches. Okay. So I think that would be like maybe like half halfway, exactly halfway from no mercury to mercury poisoning. Nice. Yeah. I like that. I think I I think I agree. I really balled out on like like got a ton of sushi, really having a good time, and I'm like having trouble sleeping now. That's like where I'm at on this movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think so. I'm pretty sure I am like I'm pretty I'm pretty high up there. Like, I, I think it's a good... I think I'm, like, high enough where I can come down from it and still survive because the second half of the movie is not as good as the first half. So I get high up initially, and then I fall down a little bit. But, like, I definitely am experiencing some difficulty sleeping because I'm so obsessed with the movie and obsessed with the song, <laughs> and I'm singing constantly. Right. Um, I have some headaches from hearing the song constantly. Um, I maybe have some muscle weakness and twitching from dancing too hard for the song. Would you say, Daniel, that you're having a hard time moving it, moving it? I'm having a little bit of a hard time, even though I like like it yeah even though you like to it's it kind of hurts to move it move it it really does um and 
Then of course I'm having I'm having some tremors, but I'm not having like tremors one. I'm having tremors three back from perfection probably. Nice. <laughs> I had a guess. Um because I, I like this movie enough, but Yeah, it's you know, we we kinda have to be like like a little uh you know, maybe maybe it's a little silly to like be pointing out like plot holes in a movie like this. But hey, we got an hour to fill. I don't know what you want from us. Uh but you know, for a kid's movie, it's good. Yeah, it's fun. It gets the job done. I would throw it on in like front of kids and be like, this is a movie to watch. But, you know, it's good. Yeah, uh, if there's nothing else to watch, maybe I would put it on. But I don't know. I think animated movies these days are really killing it. Like, how are you going to top Encanto? I mean, uh, I guess technically that song from that charted way higher than I like the movie probably did. And probably has more of a um, appeal. But you know how they have like those like sing-alongs for all the Disney movies? I want like a sing-along for Madagascar. But I want the soundtrack of all like the 10 songs they just randomly put in the soundtrack for this movie that were just actual songs already to be in it. <laughs> you want the OST I want sing the, along. I want the OST. I want like the, what was it? They put like the Chariots of Fire song in there. Yeah. Like, I want the Hawaii Five O theme song that plays <laughs> when Chris Rock surfs back into like the view of all the main characters. I want all that in there. Yeah. That's part it's of the OST. It's funny that Hans Zimmer wrote the score because it's barely used. <laughs> he did? I didn't even know that. <laughs> Must be joking. <laughs> oh, no, he he wrote the score for this movie, but it's mostly just already created music. They don't really use a score very often. I was gonna make a losing my fucking mind. I was gonna make a joke. I was like, did they even have a composer for this movie? But it's fucking Hans Zimmer. <laughs> Zimmer. Hans Zimmer has never turned a bag down in his entire life. He will do any movie. That's so funny. Oh my god, that's incredible. I had no idea. That is incredible. Man, maybe that's why this movie got the nomination for um the Golden Eagle. Because he's born in West Germany. So he probably like, you know, at this point they're trying to like patch the Soviet relations with like West Germany. So they're like, all right, we're gonna throw a bone and nominate a Hans Zimmer movie to show that we are this. <laughs> yes, because they've definitely never nominated a Hans. Hans Zimmer movie before. Hey, it's very possible the Golden Eagle Award has not nominated a Hans Zimmer movie before. We don't know. I mean, they they yeah. nominate just movies in the world. I don't think he composed The Aviator. So the fact that Hans Zimmer composed this movie makes me want to throw my phone against the wall. I like <laughs> that is truly the cherry on top of this shit cake, and I'm having trouble coping with knowing this. I want like um you know how uh um um was it Danny Elfman who was at Coachella this year? Yeah. Like, I feel like Zimmer has done something like that too. I want him to like do that with like the Madagascar soundtrack. No. Like, is that on like Spotify even? Like the Madagascar Hans Zimmer soundtrack? It should be. I mean, I... Oh, it is. <laughs> God, imagine just throwing this on. Because actually, I will admit, like the first song they play, like the one where they show like uh when Chris Rock is like doing the right. treadmill thing. Yeah, yeah. That first song's an absolute banger. And I was like, wow, this is a good one. So if Hans Zimmer made that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah. That's a really excellent way to ruin a part. <laughs> Throw that music on, and then someone asks, and you can say, "Oh, did you know that Hans Zimmer composed the Madagascar soundtrack?" <laughs> Does that Because <laughs> he also made a polka version of the New York, New York, New York, New York in the movie. I guess like he's credited for making that song because the mansion in New York, New York. <laughs> 
Nope. <laughs> that's so uh, funny. I can't believe oh that. Oh my god. Um, but yeah, that's ridiculous. Uh, Brandon, have you been watching anything good recently? I did. Uh, I was at the. I went to a lake house with some friends this weekend, and when I got home on Sunday, uh, my girlfriend was watching a uh, Howl's Moving Castle, which I've never no, seen. No, are wait, you no, kidding? Fuck you! You cannot be kidding are me. Are you kidding? That's insane. That was gonna be. <laughs> You must be joking. <laughs> Daniel and I watched Hal's Moving Castle together on Friday. Oh my time. god. That's crazy. Have you guys have you guys seen it before? No. Me neither. Never. So which is you funny. So joking. She had already started it. So what I was gonna recommend this week was the last hour of Hal's Moving Castle, because I missed the beginning. Uh but <laughs> still good. Still enjoyed it. <laughs> I fell asleep with 15 minutes left, so I basically kind of missed the end, vaguely. So combined, we saw the whole movie. I yeah. watched the whole thing. It was too weird for me. It was a very it's, weird movie. It's not as good as his other movies, that's for no, sure. No, it's not as good. Nothing can be spirited away in Princess Mononoke. Those two, like, shine above the rest for yeah. me. Um, but Daniel and I could not stop losing our mind at how manically bipolar Hal is in the movie. It's absolutely Absolutely out of control the way that his moods shift so quickly. Yes, because he's just like constantly smiling the whole time, and like occasionally his hair will just change colors and they'll go absolute ape shit for like five minutes, and then like pull it back and be like, "Oh, everything's fine." And he's like, like outwardly laughing after he has an extremely depressive episode where he nearly kills like the flame that makes his house because he's oozing this green goop from his body. I missed this whole part. This that. That must have happened before I came in. It's such a so, weird movie. So naturally, David Schwimmer would be a shoo-in for the role. Yeah, we were. I was, <laughs> I was telling Martha before that we do this segment at the end, and I was telling her we usually try and put it with a character, and she was like, "David Schwimmer as hell." <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was gonna say David Schwimmer as a, a, a cal, cal, calcium, calcium, cal, calcium. Really? That role? The the, the flame guy voiced by Billy Crystal. Um, I don't know if I can see him as that. I don't I mean, know. I feel like him and Billy Crystal have kind of similar voices, you know? So did you know that Christian Bale is Howl in the American Dub? I buy that. That actually makes sense to me. I feel yeah. like. My friend, she watched the American Dub when she was growing up, and she had a big crush on Howl, but then um, she realized that the only reason why she had a crush on Howl, because he's literally crazy, 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 was because of Christian Bale's voice. <laughs> so two two things about Christian Bale voicing Howl in this movie. Uh, so the first thing is he watched Spirited Away, and then he like like called up, I guess like the studio or whatever, or uh, what's the guy's name? Like er, Miyazaki. Miyazaki. Yeah, Miyazaki. Thank you. And was just like, I'll do. Give me any role. Like I just wanted, like let me be the American, like you know, like the English dubs. Like I'll I'll do any role. And then they're like, Do you want the titular one? It's like sure. The other thing is, at one point he growls in this movie, and it was him trying out the Batman growl, which came out a year later. Oh, what? Wow. That's. Oh. Oh yeah, he God. was at the time he was working on like the where is she, Rachel, <laughs> and all that stuff, you know. Oh, he's just not wow. a Rachel in there. <laughs> so Sophie would have been like, "What?" <laughs> it's Rachel. Other fun fact about this movie, which I was waiting for us to bring up that we watched Hal's Moving Castle, uh, was that um, so obviously Madagascar was not nominated for the Oscar for Best Animated Feature, unfortunately. Uh, but what was nominated was Hal's Moving Castle because it came out the same year. Are you kidding? Yeah, they came out the exact same year. Wow. 
And uh, so Corpse Pride was also nominated. And they both lost to a little known film called Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Which... <laughs> nice. Um, uh, so, yeah. yeah. So it, this is kind of nice that we all get to do the same recommendation this week. It's it, That's very funny that we just so happen to watch it the same weekend. Yeah, I know. That's, that's why. That is so funny. Because we were just like looking for a movie to watch. Oh, yeah. Well, we haven't seen all the movies that Miyazaki's done. Let's just try and find one yeah. we both haven't seen. And we're like, oh, yeah. Halloween Castle. Yeah. And I don't know if you saw but they had this really cool thing where they have like a half hour of just like it's like a loop of like the nature scenes from all the like Miyazaki movies oh, it was so cool yeah, yeah. you watch that all great what is what is your favorite of his films uh, I'm a huge My Neighbor Totoro guy like My Same. Neighbor Totoro is my favorite movie of his probably because yeah. that movie's just so chill and just like you can just throw it on it's like an hour 20 or something and it's just like just throw it on and just have a good hour and 20 minutes of your life yeah nothing really happens you know they're just sort of hanging out it's great I like Spirited Away because I saw it first when I was young and so there's mm. some central value to that movie Spirit Away is great I I think yeah. I, I watched that like I may have watched it as a kid but I definitely watched it for the first time with like full like attention when, like just two years ago and I remember just being floored by it like it's, it's such a good movie it's beautiful it's I, I haven't seen that one but I might honestly go watch it as soon as we're done recording this because oh, I think it's his best one yeah after watching after watching uh, Hal on Sunday I was kind of like well they're all on HBO Max for maybe not too much longer who knows what's going on with hbo max so i should try to like get and watch all of them while they're accessible you know makes sense yeah for yeah. sure like even the bad one like the bad the ones that no one talks about are still like considered like well-regarded animation movies you know his last one was nominated for an oscar um the last film that miyazaki ever did it's the one with wind in the title like oh. as the wind rises yeah i know what you're talking about yeah like he's got he i think spirit away won the oscar Oscar also um and like yeah. a, he's definitely a big award guy like he's um uh, and like he has like a massive like english voice cast for the dubs for all his movies like yeah. clearly it's you know he's well respected for a reason he's just his animation style is like so good like the fact that this movie came out the same year madagascar did and like looking at the animation differences between how's moving castle and madagascar is just baffling yeah it is yeah it's yeah it's so like there's no no like style in madagascar to speak of you know i i agree that like how's moving castle is like a little weird but like i love how ugly his castle is you know it's like like steampunky and shit it's so cool amazing i love the castle so much yeah uh, yeah that's that's really funny i like yeah. that it's a good well, it's good to end the episode yeah 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 well go watch howl's moving castle right now everyone and then when you're done with that don't forget to like and subscribe and tune in next week thanks martha for being our guest this week we enjoyed having oh, yeah. you thank you very much yeah about madagascar it was great i loved it and uh, catch you all later bye everyone have a good one. David, we must leave now.